Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 83, Mermaids, Plain and Simple. Just mermaids, y'all. Plain and simple. I just, I love a good mermaid. I love a good roundup. It is the perfect way to start the summer. Easy, breezy, beautiful mermaids that might tear your flesh off. That's my new slogan for just life in general. Thank you. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. Um, people who also have super strong life slogans are our newest patrons, Heather, Corey, and Lane, Mimi, Christy, and Paul, as well as our supporting producer-level patrons, Philip, Julie, Christina, Josh, Eeyore, Neil, Jessica, Maria, Ryan, Phil Fresh, and Deborah. You all can join the mermaid girl gang that we started in this episode. I'm very serious about it. I want bomber jackets. I want them so bad. At least a patch. Just like at least a good patch to go on our leather slash jean jackets. Yeah. We may or may not have some things in the works for our patrons. So keep an ear out. We'll see. And the first people to receive any patches that we may or may not be planning would be our legend level patrons. Sandra, Audra, Mercedes, Jack, Marie, Ashley Marie, Leanne, and Cassie. Our legend level patrons always have little tiny tiki drink umbrellas in their hair, the little paper ones. You know what I'm talking about. That coordinate perfectly with their outfits. Yes, always, every time. And that coordinates perfectly with our drinks for this episode. I made us (gasps) tiki drinks. Tiki drinks. I only had like ceramic mugs to serve them in, but you know, I like a good ceramic mug with my tiki drink. Um, I have a good tiki drink story if our listeners and you will indulge me, Amanda. Please. So this past weekend, I was in LA doing podcaster things, which I like that I can say that as a thing that I can actually do. Um, oh my and, God, so official. And I went to a uh, podcaster meetup on Wednesday night. And at the bar we were at, we discovered a secret tiki bar. And I might have actually like cried when I found it. When I went up the stairs and turned a corner and saw a giant tiki bar, I might have sobbed a bit. That's so beautiful. I don't know who does these things except for you, but I'm glad that I get to hear the stories about it. It was wonderful. And finally, we are creeping ever closer to our next goal on Patreon, which is to visit Akron, Ohio, and the famed haunted spaghetti warehouse. Yes. Uh, we may or may not be finding secret bars in Cleveland and Akron. Um, I'm willing to try, and I'm willing to document it and stream slash photograph a whole heck of a lot. Yeah. Uh, and we are only 35 people away from our Patreon goal. So if you are not donating and you would like to do just $1 an episode, that is gets us closer to our goal. Heck yes. And then everybody can benefit from our pilgrimage, shall we say, to Ohio. Yes. Someone has to. We might get haunted by spaghetti ghosts. So someone has to. Someone has to. Well, without further ado, happy summer and enjoy Spirits Podcast episode 83, Mermaids. Amanda, do you know what time it is? Um, 5.13 p.m. Okay, time of year. I mean, it's it's almost summer. <gasps> it is almost summer. You know, that's my favorite time of the year. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, I went to the beach a week ago and it was the gr- I was just so excited to have vitamin D in my system again. I know. You know what we should do? We should do some Instagram stories from the beach this summer for people yes. to hang out with us. 100%. There's a cute photo on our Instagram early on on our Instagram yes. with the two of us hanging out on the beach. That's actually one of my favorite photos of us. Me too. We don't take a ton of photos together. No, but I like that one a lot. that more often I know. what's wrong with us i don't know i don't know so like we, we we're beach girls we are grew up on the beach mm-hmm. 
um we we totally rock out on the beach we love the sand and the surf and beers in the sand and surf. Who says you can't be an indoor kid and also a beach kid? You can be both. You can read under the umbrella for the entirety of the trip to the beach with Julia's family as her grandma looks at you from the full sun and is like, honey, are you okay? Do you need sunblock? <laughs> yes, grandma. I have sunblock and also I need to be in the shade. Oh, Joyce. Oh, Love Joyce. her. Love her. <laughs> so I I am ready to spend all of my free time at the beach. Hell yeah. Uh, so with that in mind... I wanted to do a roundup of one of my favorite things in the world and one of the things that I know people love as well. And water spirit? Mermaids. Mermaids! I mean, it's going to be water spirits and mermaids, but like, yeah. you know, mermaids. Mermaids! Mermaids! I don't want to just talk about like the traditional mermaid that we see in the media all the time. Sure. I mean, if previous episodes are anything to go by, it is probably a like sanitized and less gory and also less awesome version of an actual myth. That's true. I want to talk about all the mermaids. All, all of them? All of them. All of them. Okay. I mean, maybe not all of them, but uh, the ones I like the best. <laughs> we have about 45 minutes, so yeah, yeah let's right. do it. And you know, like, I get to do the ones that I want to talk about because this is my show and I do the research. So, yay. <laughs> I wouldn't know any different. So. Yep. so, we, Amanda, are going to start in the British Isles first. Okay. All right. Warm it up. Warm it up. Uh, and the first on my list are the Finfolk. Okay. Because that's a dope ass name. The Finfolk aren't really your typical mermaids uh but rather they're a race of like sorceress shapeshifters whoa they live beneath the sea in a place called fin Fokahim. wow yep that's that a thing. sounds about right uh it is a massive underwater palace uh, with crystal halls ornate gardens of multicolored seaweed and it's constantly lit by phosphorescent tiny glowing sea creatures that's freaking adorable and pretty accurate. Like that takes into account where it actually is and why yeah. in a way that makes it really easy for me to picture. I know it's, it's really pretty. I want to live there. I love glowing. I mean, I don't want to live there. You'll see why, but <laughs> <laughs> so the Finn folk will either swim, wade, or sometimes even row boats up to the Northern Isles of Scotland during the spring and summer. Wow. The purpose of this is to search for human captives and they've been known to kidnap fishermen children and others who are careless enough to wander the shores and uh, force them into a living of servitude or as a spouse to one of the fin folk i was going to ask why but you got there before me i did i got you i got you covered <laughs> i i know your questions before you even ask them that's what friendship is it's true uh, so they'll often disguise themselves as other sea animals, plants, or even floating clothes in the water. <laughs> uh, though fin wives usually prefer the appearance of traditional mermaids, golden hair, snow white skin, beauty, and a long fishtail. Interesting. I don't ever picture blonde um, hair when I think of mermaids. Really? Yeah. I, I think tend of to. red and brunette um, hair. But no, maybe just yeah. you're probably going. Uh, you're going full. Uh, the Little Mermaid. I almost didn't remember the name of the one mermaid <laughs> movie that we watched as children. That's bad. The Finn folks were considered territorial and greedy, and they have a weakness for silver, especially silver coins and jewelry. Fascinating. Uh, humans captured and married to a Finn folk spend their time on the island of Hildeland, where they spend their days performing rigorous duties and housework. Yikes! Yeah, not great. Don't yeah, want. I don't want to marry. One I love of those. how I love how marriage is just code for like 
assault and kidnapping <laughs> in so many Indentured stories. Indentured servitude. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Not in real life, I'm, I'm clear. <laughs> Most of the time, marriage is consensual you and You say lovely. across the couch from your friend who is going to be married in like the next year. Listen, I mean in fairy tales. Uh-huh. You say they're, yeah, I just I just found a spouse. I just brought them back. Don't worry. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's not what that is. So another Scottish mermaid is the sea mither. Uh, and she is a bit nicer than the finfolk. Uh, she lives in the seas north of Scotland during the summer, where she confines this demonic being known as the Nukalavi. Hey, hey, Scotland. You okay? <laughs> What's going on up there? <laughs> <laughs> during the spring, uh, she fights with her arch nemesis, Teron, who is another ocean spirit that causes severe winter storms. Only in the, only in the spring is when they fight. Uh, or I guess after the storms are over. So they fight in the spring and the fall. Ah, and you'll see why. Okay. So uh, this battle determines who will control the seas and weather. Hmm. The sea mother wins every spring, but during the summer, her benevolent acts and weather, like keeping the weather nice, yeah. exhausts her and Tehran is able to defeat her in the autumn. Wow. I mean, thank you. And also, I'm sorry. She gives during her reign during the summer, uh, the aquatic creatures, the ability to reproduce, warms and calms the sea and instills a quote, softer song like quality to the gentle summer breeze. Um, adorable. I know. It's really cute. I, I, we talk so often about myths that, uh, correlate to or explain the seasons, but every time it gets me every time it's like, wow, thinking about people who looked at the world around them, observed this change happening over several years and were like, you know, rationalizing that into a story that's really relatable. Like they all have, you know, cyclical struggles. And if I could make the world more hospitable and temperate for everybody in a way that did not disrupt the ecosystem, I super would. Amanda, you're the mother goddess that I want to see in the world. Aw, thanks, babe. You're the vengeance spirit. I have a call for any slight. It's the nicest thing that anyone's <laughs> ever said to me. <laughs> I love you. Aww. Okay, uh, so one more uh, Scottish mermaid. Uh, this is called the Chesig. Okay. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. It's called... The Scots I, don't yell at us on Twitter like, like the Irish that's do. That's true. It's love a, you, fam. It's spelled C-E-A-S-G. Well... Don't know. I don't know. Figure it out. Uh, so it's often uh, also known as the maid of the wave or the maid of the sea. Okay. Uh, so interestingly, they can live in both fresh and salt water. Mm. And it is said to have the tail of a young salmon. I love salmon myths. <laughs> I love salmon myths. Ever since the salmon of knowledge, I've just been obsessed with the idea of like salmon in all of the mythology. I know. I love the salmon of knowledge. If you didn't listen to our 30 myths in 30 minutes episode, that one is full of bangers. Like every story in that episode, is, I still remember. But in the Delancey Essex subway stop mm-hmm. in New York City, the JMZ and the BDFM, I think, crossover, um, there is just a salmon in the in the like mosaic I that lines it. the stairway. Just a salmon on its own. Nothing else around that salmon. And every time I pass by, I go, hello, Simon of Knowledge. <laughs> Maybe there was like a fishery in that area or something like that. I mean, it's like uh, kind of on the border of Chinatown. Oh, and so okay. there are lots of like fish markets and, and produce markets. Sure. So probably there's imagery elsewhere in the station that is like that. But I just look at the Simon of Knowledge every <laughs> you time. You always see the salmon. <laughs> Hi, friend. Fine. So the Maid of the Waves is said to grant three wishes to anyone who is able to capture her. And there are several stories about marriages between humans and these mermaids. Ooh. Um, even if they return to the seas during their marriage and the marriage ends because you know she went back to the sea 
Um, they, <laughs> as happens with every successful marriage. <laughs> uh, so the mermaids will still take an interest in their human descendants and protect them from storms. They'll help them find the best fishing grounds, etc. Actually, in some stories, they are slightly more monstrous, though. So they're like swallow heroes and whatnot. Uh, and there's actually a really interesting story about how the mermaid's life force resides inside an egg. And this has some like speculation that has to do with the original stories featuring the chess egg as a uh, sea goddess who may or may not have demanded human sacrifice. Huh. I mean, yeah, to me, the kind of red flags of like cooler, more brutal myth incoming mm-hmm. are like power concentrated in like a thing outside your body mm-hmm. that you would therefore protect at all costs. Sure. And uh, some kind of like dominion or power over bounty, you know, and harvest sure. and food. Like uh, we would obviously do anything to sustain ourselves in that way. And so, you know, we often hear about like agricultural or seasonal, um, you know, spirits and gods needing sacrifice, whether it's, you know, human animal or, or otherwise. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, it's kind of like when we talked about the Kelpie, Yes, And we were talking about how like earlier stories of the Kelpie were most likely like the human victim part of the Kelpie right. is most likely has to do with the fact that humans were being sacrificed to this weird horse god or whatever. Yeah. And then that transitioned into, no, nah, it just steals people and eats them. Right. I mean, like, imagine imagine that transition. If a kid asks you, oh, you know, what happened to this person? Or, oh, you know, why did people used to do that? As a parent, isn't it easier to say like, they just got taken and, and also the be community safe. right and not like them. we all rationalized the the yeah. you know um sacrificing of, of people we pulled the lottery on them <laughs> um okay so next we are heading a bit west to ireland to Yo, discuss up? the marrow i bet it's gonna get sad uh maybe so uh interestingly the the name marrow is supposed to come from a word meaning sea singer or siren which uh other etymologists say that the name might be derived from either sea maid or sea hog Hmm. which is interesting to me uh most stories of the marrow come from the 19th century um she is usually described as a typical mermaid half human gorgeous woman from the waist up fish like waist down yep the the least disturbing human animal hybrid her lower extremities are covered with greenish tinted scales uh she's also said to have a slight webbing between her fingers similar to the skin between an egg and a shell Ooh. which i like i like that that's a very specific I kind know. of imagery but once you picture it you're like oh yeah for yeah, sure yeah, that makes sense so they are quote modest affectionate gentle and have a benevolent disposition Aww. and are capable of having attachment to human beings with many stories about marriages between humans and marrow i mean adorable i love it children that result from these unions are often reported to have scaly skin and webbed fingers and toes oh the marrow much like the selkies will inevitably want to return to the sea no matter how much they love their partner uh the way of preventing a marrow from doing this is to conceal her quote little magic cap Oh, what is that? <laughs> Which is a special hat that allows them to dive beneath the waves and breathe underwater. <gasps> special amphibious hat. Yeah. There's like some sort of Irish like term for it that I skipped over <laughs> because I didn't You're want like, to try and guess. Listen, you know when you, you call your shots. You know when to hold them and when to fold them. <laughs> so while marrow women are considered very beautiful, marrow men are described as having green hair and teeth, uh, like 
green teeth, uh, pig-like eyes, a red nose, and a tail between his scaly legs and stubby fin-like arms. No, oh. which I kind of find adorable. They're arms like they're are adorable. Yeah, that but, sounds like a like on the scale of mermaid to manatee, closer to manatee. Yes, it is almost the, the fin-like scale. Uh, yeah, the fin-like yeah, arms, yeah. I think kind of yeah. does it for me. Um, so they are said to capture the souls of drowned... This is the male version of the marrow. Right. They're said to capture the souls of drowned sailors and lock them in lobster pot-like cages under the sea. <laughs> oh, this is so specific. It's really, really cute. On a, a less fun note, because it was going to get sad, uh, that was also the peak of the famine in Ireland. And lots of people died. Lots of people emigrated across the sea to America. And so a lot of the time when you have these kind of Irish songs about like looking over the sea and missing your love or, you know, wondering where they went, like not only is it, you know, obviously uh, talking about death, but also people literally left over the sea and like were never seen again because yeah. they had to leave. Um, so I wonder if this kind of, you know, finding love and they're leaving and, you know, the, the <laughs> idea of the sea as holding, you know, beauty and ugliness and fortune and sadness like that's kind of all wrapped up i do like the idea of having the excuse when your marriage fails to be like she was a marrow she went back to the ocean i married a mermaid that shit just happens yeah you know got a few good years then you know goodbye and on to the next thing <laughs> which honestly pretty well adjusted way to think about relationships and kind of phases of your life yeah unless you're in denial and you're like she's a mermaid i swear she <laughs> did, definitely didn't move in with the blacksmith yeah 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 <laughs> Uh, moving on, we are going to talk about the Benvari, which is from the Isle of Man. Okay. Uh, and again, they're pretty similar to a traditional mermaid. Uh, this variety is considered more favorable to other humans. Uh, and there are many stories about them giving assistance, gifts, rewards to humans, mm. which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, one story about the Benvari tells a story about how a fisherman who carried a stranded mermaid back into the ocean was given the location for treasure that made him rich. Wow. Um, here's another one. Uh, a baby mermaid once stole a doll from a little human girl. Uh, but the Benvari mother rebuked her child and sent the little girl a pearl of necklace to apologize for the theft. <laughs> uh, a fishing family that gave regular gifts of apples to the mermaid uh, were rewarded with prosperity for the rest of their lives. So, like, basically, like, be nice to yeah the mermaids and you get stuff. They're I like know. they're like the ravens of the ocean. I remember my. <laughs> That's very good. I remember my, my parents as a kid trying to teach me to like, you know, do nice things for people. And like, sometimes they'll thank you, but don't do it because of that. And it was, you know, it was very much like a, a line that they were um, writing. I, I love too, that we're talking about an area that's only like several hundred miles in diameter, mm -hmm. you know, between Scotland, Ireland, Isle of Man, um, and, and other parts of the UK. And yet, you know, there's so much variety in all these different, you know, water spirit mermaid-esque figures. I know. I love, I love that you can stay within a certain uh, area and still get a lot of different myths from it. Yeah. And did you know that the Isle of Man is a self-governing British crown dependency? I didn't know that. Me neither. That's kind of cool. There you go. So off to the continent. Uh, <laughs> here is a French Celtic inspired female spirit known as the Moulissine. I'm sorry. Just one second. I pictured you there in like, like a beige linen travel suit off to the continent and like a straw hat. <laughs> <laughs> Very cute. It's a good look. So the Melusine is a freshwater spirit who is usually found in sacred springs or rivers. Okay. So unlike the rest of the mermaids, she can either be depicted as a fish or having a serpent tail uh, from the waist down. And oh. additionally, she is often depicted with wings, two tails, or both. Yikes. <laughs> We're getting into like 
hierarchy of angels type shit right yeah, here. I love it. Uh, in some stories, she is the daughter of a fairy named Priscine and King Alinus of Albany. Like, not our Albany, like... The first Albany. Yeah, the first Albany. That is very specific, and I love it. Yeah. Uh, Priscine and Millicene uh, go to the Isle of Avalon after the king breaks an oath that he would never look at his wife and daughter in their bath, just uh, thus outing them as mermaid-like creatures. That is kind of a, a cross between the, like, Avalon stuff that we heard about in the King Arthur episode, mm-hmm. and what was that, um, the, like, childbirth god, where if you looked at the woman while she was having in childbirth, it would be bad? Oh, Toyotama Hime. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, Who, like, gave birth to her basically crocodile child. Exactly. Dragon child. Yeah. Uh, and got peeked on by her husband. And... Right, but privacy, well, with, uh, but privacy during birth is really important to her, and he violated that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But, uh, yeah. Uh, we're actually going to head east from there. All right. Into Russia and the Rusalka. So she is a female spirit from Slavic mythology, and her name in most Slavic languages actually is a direct translation to mermaid. Really? Which is interesting, uh, because before the 19th century, she was considered a spirit associated with fertility and spring, mm-hmm. uh, basically transferring life-giving moisture into the fields and helping nurture the crops, Aww, which nice. is really cool. I yeah. like that a lot. But after the 18th century, she begins to appear as this sort of dangerous creature. She's no longer alive. She's associated with unclean spirits uh in some stories rusalkas are the result of women who are in unhappy marriages that commit suicide by drowning or else are violently drowned against their own will i mean probably very real yeah probably pretty legit which is very sad i'm not a fan i know i I wonder if there um is something around like narratives of uh nation building and nationalization Mm -hmm. as they're moved toward a more like socialistic model of government i don't know if like agricultural production was maybe you know made to be more like mechanized and more like the product of work and not the product of like seasonal and kind of unpredictable happenings wow that's a really good point that's a completely thought out of nowhere i don't know if it's right no that's a really cool point yeah i really like that that's really interesting because all of a sudden you're not relying on nature itself you're relying on your own personal work as human beings and usually a lot of that time most of those countries are becoming much more secular yeah and the state is saying like no 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 like we govern this like we can do this if everyone buys in then we can have more control over the production yeah it downplays the role of the environment the unpredictable and like the the kind of personal uh ritual wow that's really cool that was a really good thought good job thanks i learned some things (laughs) 80 episodes what in this kind of version where she's evil and unclean and whatnot uh she said to lure young men into the depths of waters that she drowned in herself entangle them with her long hair and then submerge them i mean kind of badass yeah and so she will drown them or in some cases tickle them to death (laughs) russia likes the tickle to death really like this there are multiple creatures that will tickle you to death in russian folklore that is a legit thing russians get at us (laughs) tell me more about your tickle death i will do a whole episode on tickle death i know there's at least two of you listening come on (laughs) we are going to talk about la sarina chilota and that is it's similar to the uh european mermaid yeah um the usual half fish half woman body uh she has blonde hair again kind of going against what you thought with the interesting yeah and she has golden scales and her human side is said to look like a beautiful teen, which is a little problematic, but we're going to move past it. <laughs> um, in these stories, she is said to be the daughter of Mia Lobo, who is the king of the sea and uh, a woman who is named Huanchula. Uh, so she is in charge of caring for all the fish. 
Like all the fish in the world, she takes care of them. Fish mom. Uh, Her siblings are two water spirits known as uh, Pinkoya and Pinkoi. uh, And they carry the bodies of drowned sailors to her so that she can revive them. Is very she's very sweet. I Fish like her mom. a lot. So she's said to be an extremely strong swimmer, carrying victims of tragedies back to shores on yes, her back. Yes, burly mermaid. And her tears are said to be magical slash healing and are very delicate. I don't know why she isn't the the goddess of everything. I love her so much. I love her too. She's great. I love my mom. I love my burly mermaid mom. Seriously. Oh, I, I just read an article today about how Sailor J, the YouTuber, mm-hmm. uh, like does wrestling. She took it up when <gasps> her boyfriend started studying Amazing. it. Yeah. So like A, she's in the Air Force and B, she wrestles for fun and exercise. She's the most badass person I've ever seen. I really want to do that. We've talked about this multiple times, I but know, I really want to get into wrestling. I know, I know. Anyway, we're going to go for another really sweet story. Uh, we're going north and this is the home of Ikaya, uh, the Caribbean mermaid. They are said to be young men and women who are disowned from their native communities and went to live by the sea, but or instead welcomed into it. Uh, Ikaya will seek out individuals that are shunned by their communities, turning them into Ikaya as well, so that they never feel rejected or alone again. And Stop, I love them. I'm crying. It's really cute. I just like the idea of like a community of like probably gay mermaids. Yeah, uh, absolutely. These are definitely like queer and non-binary, uh, you know, youth who uh-huh. like go out or to find or otherwise alienated, you know, to like find people of their own and like you know that found families are my jam i know you know that ocean spirits are my jam i know this is pretty much the combination of everything i could possibly want i want a um like you know the girl gang leather jackets or jean jackets yes. i want that but like ikea like queer mermaid gang oh my god i love it someone design that for us please i love it we're going to be hopping over the pacific with a couple of japanese myths all right, all right. Uh, the first is the uh, is kind of more of a modern thing. It's called the Cecilia, uh, which is a mythological creature that appears in art and combines the head, torso, and arms of a woman with the bottom half of an octopus or squid, much like a mermaid does with a fish. I was so worried there for a second as you were naming appendages, like what creature are they? <laughs> but uh, that that is pretty cool. Ever yeah. since Ursula, I I really don't mind the octopus thing. I think it's pretty badass. So this is actually a pretty recent version of the mermaid uh, with some pointing out that the combination didn't seem to exist in the world until a comic uh, in Vampirella magazine, uh, which came out in like the 1970s. Hmm. Uh, and they're usually referred to as well as sea witches, which you'll see in The Little Mermaid with Ursula. Yay! Oh, I see now why Ursula was bad. I never actually put together that like the multiple appendaged, you know, sea creature was evil and everyone with one tail was coded as good, but makes sense. That's some bullshit. I don't like it. I know it is bullshit. Also, I, I like read a, I think it was probably on Tumblr um, or maybe it was a think piece about how Ursula was um, this, the writer's like first uh, example of a woman who just unapologetically took up space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these days we have more uh, vocabulary for body positivity and like the, the agency and kind of right to exist and right to take up space. But uh, Ursula was an early example for the writer about how, you know, you just freaking live your life and you're beautiful and like you know that you are and you can do whatever you want. Yeah, and I, I also, if I remember correctly, she was based off of like a really prominent drag queen at the time. What? Yeah, I have to like double check that and I will link to the article for our patron notes. But, Hell yeah. But I'm 90% sure that's the case. That's awesome. So there's also a yokai known as the Amabi, uh, which is also sometimes known as the Amabiko. The Amabi have long hair, a scaly body, 
and surprisingly a beak-like mouth and three legs. No. Um, so it glows with a bright light that can be seen from shore if they're like out in the ocean. Uh, despite their kind of horrifying appearance, I, I understand your no there. Um, seeing one is actually uh, said to protect you from disease. Okay. I mean, it seems like somebody just looked out of the ocean, just like named things. And then somebody on shore was like, it's a person. <laughs> I got you though. <laughs> so the only recorded sighting of an Amabi comes from the Higo province, uh, which is present day Kumamoto pref- uh, prefecture. Uh, and it was seen in April of 1846. Pretty longstanding then. Yeah. Uh, so for, I think it was like three or four nights in a row, this bright light could be seen in the waters offshore. So one night, a government official uh, went out to see like what it was. Let's investigate what this light is. Uh-oh. Um, so he goes out, he approaches the thing, and the strange creature appears to him. And the creature itself was an Amabi. Um, so it told the government official that a six year bumper crop was coming. Oh boy. Good. It also said that should there be an outbreak of disease, he should immediately show the Amabi's picture to people everywhere as it would protect them from harm. I mean, that's a pretty good way to propagate your own image, huh? Yeah, I guess. No, 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 the of the Amabi, yeah, but not the not the government official. No, I know, like like on the Amabi's part. It like, would be funny if don't the government just put me up in everybody's house. It would be funny if the Amabi was like, "Here's a picture of you. Show it to everyone. It's probably fine." I think I you'd know. question that a little bit of that official. I think it's funny. It's like when you go to government buildings, just like you know, President Obama, you know, is in every building that mm-hmm. you visit. Uh, so after that, the creature returned to the sea. Because okay. why not? I mean, sure. Shortly after that, the Amabi story, along with this like woodblock print image of it, was featured in the newspaper that was distributed to as many people as possible. Yay, so that technology! If there was an outbreak of disease, people had the image and wouldn't get sick. Worst case scenario, you give them some cool wood cutting. Like th- that's a pretty low stakes way to test out a uh, you know a theory given to you by a creature. Uh, it's it's not as good as vaccines, but it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I don't know, uh, fluoridating water or iodizing salt. Yep. Yep. Agreed. These are good things and not conspiracies. These are good. Don't don't question it. Okay. Um. So stranger than that, which is saying something. Whoa. Is probably the ningyo, uh, which is probably the least human mermaid on the list that I have. All right. Uh, they were often described as having a monkey's mouth with the small teeth of a fish, Ooh. shining golden scales, and a voice like a flute. Okay. I mean, golden fish friend giving me nice flute music. I'm okay with that. Its flesh was said to be extremely tasty. (laughs) Oh no. And eating it would lead to a long life. Sounds like a good way to eradicate a rare species. They are said to bring storms and misfortune. And so fishermen are wary to catch them and always throw them back into the sea. Okay. Here's a good story of a ninyo uh, called Yaobikuni. A fisherman catches an unusual fish. He has this never... This fish, it's so unusual. It's so weird. <laughs> it, it, basically, this fisherman was all of the people who come into the shop in Little Shop of Horrors, where they're just like, I've never seen anything like it. Look, March. I love that scene. Look at its hands. <laughs> so the fisherman catches this unusual fish. He's never seen anything like it before. So he brings it home and invites all his friends to come to his home to try it for dinner. <laughs> to try it for dinner. I mean, I hope it's it's not poisonous. But one of the guests looks at the fish, like, while he's preparing it, and notices that it has a human face. (gasps) And warns all the other guests, don't eat it. Yeah, bud. So the fisherman cooks up the fish, and he serves it to his guests, but they all secretly wrap it into paper and hide it so that they can discard it later. Okay, good, yeah. 
Um, but one of the men gets just super drunk on sake uh, and forgets to throw out his serving of fish away. Uh-oh. So he heads home and his little daughter is like super hungry when he gets home. It happens. Uh, and so he, not thinking, just hands her over this fish that Here, he have my up. pocket fish. Here, have my pocket fish. Uh, so he sobers up the moment that he hands it to her and tries to get it back, but she is already eaten it. Oh, no. Nothing bad happens. Okay. Or like nothing bad that he notices happens. Okay. So he's just like, eh, I'm not going to worry about it. It's probably fine. I'm drunk. I'm going to sleep. Yeah. The girl grows up. She gets married. She doesn't age at all. Whoa. So in fact, her husband grows old, but she keeps her youthful appearance. Wow. She lives a long, long life. She gets widowed over and over and over again until she finally becomes a nun and starts traveling to various countries. And she dies at the ripe old age of 800. Whoa. 800. That is that is a commitment to a story. I love her. But you're going to say like 150. I'd nope. be like, yeah, dope. Great. 800. Wow. For each ounce of fish probably that she ate. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very smart way to use um, a very long life. Yeah. Because like, especially for talking, you know, early kind of societies where women were perhaps not as empowered or mm-hmm. had access to resources, uh, like, like we do almost now. Um, but being a nun is a great way to like get educated, do service work, travel, like have an interesting and nice life, like mm-hmm. learn vocations. That's awesome. I like it. I like her life. And I, if I was 800, I'd get married a bunch of times, pop out a bunch of kids and be like, I'm not going to travel. I'm going <laughs> to probably enjoy your jeans. Stuff. Yeah. Okay, uh, so last place we are going to stop is, of course, the Philippines. Oh my gosh, good. We can't do a roundup without going to the Philippines. So we are going to talk about the Sarina, also known as the Siyokyoi. So in Bicol or the, and uh, Visayas, uh, Sarinas are also known as uh, Majindara, uh, a.k.a. Vicious Mermaids. Okay. So she looks like a typical mermaid uh, and is considered a mythical guardian of the water. So much like sirens, they use their voice to attract and hypnotize fishermen and sailors, causing shipwrecks and drownings, or else abducting sailors uh, away before they can drown. No, I was just like reckoning for the first time with the idea of like, you know, what do they do if they don't kidnap them? And the idea that they were just like, just drown them, just drown them was like, oh, God. Like, we're just going to leave you alone. It's the opposite of the adorable Chilean mermaid. Yes. Yes, it is. They are said to carry their victims under the water and then sacrifice them to the water gods. Ooh. Which I is... mean, if you're going to make sacrifices, you might as well outsource it to a different species. That I understand. But <laughs> ugh. Uh, sometimes they'll pretend to be drowning, luring men into the sea to save them. And then they squeeze the life out of their would-be rescuers. Oh, that's pretty good. I like that a lot. If we get past the murder, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good gambit. They're usually accompanied by dugongs, sea turtles, and dolphins. Yay. I love, I love a dugong. All our sea friends. <laughs> it was said that the embodiment of the moon would come down at a full moon and swim with the Serenas, uh, and they would protect them from sea monsters. Hell yeah. So I, I'm, I'm thinking that this is probably an instance, which we talked about in the Batala episode, yeah. where there is a pre-Spanish mythology and then a post-Spanish mythology yeah. version of both of these stories. And the the protecting the moon embodiment sounds like a pre, whereas the we're going to murder all these, uh, yeah. all these sailors. It's not Christian, so it's evil. Right. Yep. I'm thinking that's probably the case in this situation. Probably. One of the more popular embodiments of the Serena and the reason why I picked this one is Isabel, 
who is a comic book mermaid character from the Philippines that was created in 1952. Whoa! And I will link to one of the uh, comics in that. That's awesome. But that's our mermaids from across the world, Amanda. So many. There's really nice ones. There's really mean ones. There's one tail. There's snake tail. There's octopus tail. Yeah, South America and the Caribbean really killed it with some like good, nice mermaids. I was yeah. very happy with that section, especially the the you know idea of uh, people who are misfits and mm-hmm. leave home and try to strike out on their own. So often it's like just leaving a community that's bad for you mm-hmm. and not like actively seeking one that you think will be good because that's hard. And like, do you know where it is? You know who who, who knows? Yeah. But the idea that all of these outcasts come together to make like a a paradise for themselves that's really beautiful. I really. I like that and i do really want that jacket <laughs> yeah i really want that jacket as well in a non-appropriative and respectful way mm-hmm. um for sure it reminds me of uh the other night i found myself at drinks for one of my friends from youtube um we looked around the table and it was like six queer bisexual and gay women sitting at the table together mm-hmm. and we were all just like oh, home like finally <laughs> like so much better yeah, yes at a pinball bar in brooklyn with a bunch of dogs around like drinking local beers like finally somehow the universe has conspired to like let us have this moment and it was uh, it was really beautiful i think with that amanda the ikayas would think that you're living your best life no thank you <laughs> i hope so too i i also really like the idea that hey we like to see pretty ladies in water a lot just like as <laughs> as a like global like human being thing right right we just love a hot lady came out of nowhere and is just like either going to murder me or marry me <laughs> it's a very common practice across the world i'm gonna say it julia boobs float boobs, boobs float. look good boobs look good in water that's true <laughs> also it's like you see a woman rising out of the water okay mm-hmm. okay pretty face okay, okay. oh and long hair okay oh boobs boobs are nice and then and then like she stops at her belly button and you're like well it's gonna be the best day ever or the worst day ever it's gonna or be both. woman or it's gonna be fish i mean like it could be there's a reason why people like think that mermaids are hot which listen live your bliss yeah live your truth and i'm not gonna tell you not to do it okay so in that case either it'll be a weird day where there's a naked person coming at you or it's gonna be the best day ever or it's gonna be pretty much a weird day or like the worst day in your life but depending it's on just your like, yums it's it's such a it's such a moment of decision like something's <laughs> the mood of the room is gonna change uh-huh. when we get below the belly button <laughs> <laughs> that deciding factor yeah oh man that's funny there is the great uh mermaid parade in brooklyn at coney island every year absolutely this is gonna be the first year in years and years and years that i'm gonna be home for that so i am absolutely planning on attending i have to work that day but i am mad oh no but um one of our listeners and a um audio drama creator jv who does uh red wing you also might know him as i think mr hyde is his handle on twitter yeah he has been a professional mermaid since he was 14. Yes. And we were chatting the other day about like how cool that is. Yeah. And I, it just sounds fascinating. And I, I super love all of our listeners, like cool, cool uh, hobbies and like lifestyles and shit like that. I know. That's amazing. It's incredible. If you think we would find your job cool, please tweet us and tell us what your job is. Yes, please. <laughs> that would be awesome. That's amazing. So yeah, go, go mermaids. Go body positivity and cosplaying and, you know, costuming and, yeah. and living your life. And, um, you know, I guess be careful when you see naked figures rising out of the water. Just prepare yourself. I do have a question for yeah. you. Yeah. If you could date any of the mermaids that were on our list. Oh, uh, Ocean Mom. Fish Mom. 
Oh, the sea mither. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Mom. I, I should mention that in the uh, the mythology, she is giant. Oh. She, she a big woman. Listen, I can get down with the giant. Yeah. I, I don't mind. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm just picturing her like glancing into the apartment, <laughs> like her big face because she could reach the top of that. Yeah. Here on the sixth floor, just yep. looking into my window and be like, hey, hi, wife. Listen, though, you'd never have to lift a heavy object again. That's true. Yeah. And the, I mean, like, you'll probably just have to deal with the fact that like during the winter, she's just not around. She's just taking a nap for the winter. Yeah. I mean, given the choice between a partner that I cannot hang out with during all seasons, uh, or cuddle effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will I will choose one that, that I can hold. Yeah, no, she sounds awesome. I'd love for her to be my auntie. Yeah. You know, to be able to like go and stay with her. That's good. I think I'd go with the uh the Chile one. Mm. She sounds cool. I she like does sound very cool and very cool. intentional. Yes. I, I, I appreciate she sounds like the like the woman who's a nurse like on the battlefield. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Like she like take no shit, gonna help everyone. Yeah. She has like a lot of empathy. Exactly. Yeah. And all right, like we see mermaids like lying around on rocks sometimes, but it's like when you see a, a you know, amphibious creature on the bank sunning themselves mm-hmm. and you forget that even though they like move very slowly on land, that motherfucker goes real fast mm-hmm. in water. And so, you know, mermaids, like that whole tail is muscle. Like, yeah. like that whole thing can make them move very fast. Yeah. And like so, you pointed out, she's buff probably. Exactly. Yeah. So like seeing her in action is much cooler than a like window dressing type spirit, you know? Now I'm just picturing um, the wrestler China, but as a mermaid. Oh, so did I. Don't okay, worry. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. I'm glad we're on the same page then. Yeah. Or the, the woman who is the um, werewolf wrestler. <gasps> Ember Moon. Yeah. My girl. Or ooh, even Charlotte Flair, because in this, uh, in La Serena Cholita's uh portrayed as blonde yeah so charlotte flair who is my buff buff like queen i love her she's great we love wrestling this I is a pro wrestling, wrestling podcast so <laughs> let's talk about my pro wrestling podcast if my wrestlers were mermaids that's the name of my new wrestling podcast oh i would watch way more if all wrestlers were mermaids it could 100%. be half sea half land arena Ooh. get at me mm. like like one of those you know like an aquarium where the half of the thing is like plexiglass and you can see them fight in the water yep. and half it's above yeah. and then at the end they kiss instead of punch yes like they finish and they're like good job babe and then like forehead yes. kisses i know i think it'd be very cute. i'm into it very cool all right well when it comes to dealing with sea creatures remember listeners stay creepy stay cool Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just one dollar gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.